Welcome to your commercial-free, uninterrupted investment show, sponsored by the SEC-registered investment firm, Wilsey Asset Management, a fiduciary firm owned and operated by President Brent Wilsey, who has been putting clients' investment needs first for over 40 years. The Smart Investing Show has been giving unbiased financial information for over 27 years on local radio stations right here in San Diego, providing you with fundamental analysis on stocks and investments you want to know about. Now, here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Wilsey. Well, hello and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Wilsey. Just about, uh, what? well, you know what? Um, gosh, all of a sudden I don't want to say this morning. <laughs> oh, here we are. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. We're, we're here. Brent and Chase here uh, with the Smart Investing Show. We've got a lot of things to talk about. Uh, talk about the economy, uh, investing, the market this past week. Maybe put some scares into you. We'll talk about that. And with me, as always, Chase. Chase, we got a lot to talk about today. Yeah, I got a lot to talk about it. Excited to be back. I know I took a took a week off, so it's uh, it's good to be here. I, I miss doing the show. I know. I, I've been in the show now for, I think, going on 30 years. I think so. And I still get excited about doing it. I mean, even though I couldn't get up with the opening today, I just also <laughs> like, oh, I'm on air. Okay. <laughs> but, hey there. Um, yeah. hey, hey, how's everybody doing? <laughs> but uh, yeah, we, we got a lot of the news to talk about here, uh, investing news and so forth. Uh, we'll take your calls. Uh, in uh, probably about 15 minutes here. I just got to realize that, uh, where's my, I knew I was getting something when I came in, the, the phone number here. Um, usually it's right in front of me and I'm not seeing the phone number. Well, I'll do that in a little bit here because we'll get that phone number for you. But uh, we talk about what's going on in the past week, uh, economic things, and then we'll take your calls around uh, probably 15 minutes or so. But let, let's talk about the US airline bookings because I have said that I believe the economy will be held up by a shift from goods to services uh, throughout the rest of the year. Uh, I was a bit worried with my prediction when I saw the headline that U.S. airline bookings dropped 17% last month uh, from March. Uh, however, digging deeper, uh, the report, well, it really was not as troubling. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, comparing against April 2019, and the reason I'm looking at April 2019 here is because Obviously, we went through this little thing called COVID, which really kind of altered, I'm going to say, the <laughs> the way we lived our lives, the way we spent our money, the way we traveled. So this is kind of that pre-COVID. You look to those 2019 levels in April, online spending on tickets was actually up 23% compared to that same month. And bookings were up 5%. So we've actually seen growth now from pre-COVID levels, not to mention business travel isn't fully back yet. And also, too, there's still some people that are, I'm going to say, COVID cautious, that it's not a full, I'll call it recovery yet from mm -hmm. COVID. So I thought this was pretty good news. And this comes as prices were up 27% compared to April 2019. Now, don't get me wrong. These are not boom numbers by any means. But it does still show me consumers are willing to pay the higher price at this point. I continue to believe we will see an okay, keyword okay economy here, not that boom economy, throughout the rest of this year as consumers spend on items like travel and restaurants. And, and you know, and I think they're going to be more selective as well because uh, we went last night, uh, we went to the the restaurant, went to uh, AT&T store, uh, didn't feel like there was a lot of people at the AT&T store, but I think people are going to be more selective what they're going to spend money on. They're not going to spend money on everything. They're not going to buy a lot of stuff they don't need. I think it's going to affect investing as well. I think people will be more cautious what they're investing into. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, but I think the, the economy is going to shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that, oh, we're going to go to a recession. Things are terrible. 
but I think you will see a slowdown in some goods that people are purchasing. Uh, gosh, I didn't know that. Uh, I, I saw Home Depot's been almost uh, cut in half. I think it's like 403, I think down to around 280, 290. I mean, uh, I think people slow down on that a little bit as well. I'm kind of looking at furniture as another big one. I mean, yeah. remember the supply chain constraints we saw yeah. during COVID? And I think there was just so much demand. I think within the next year or two, furniture sales are going to slow quite drastically. But I, I, I agree. I think services, I mean, I, I just flew to New York last week. Both my flights, I took a red eye. Really? Completely packed. Oh. I And airports, packed. Packed. And I, I just... As I said, I mean, it's quite phenomenal when, again, you consider that business travel is not even fully back yet, that, that people are still out there traveling right. and ready to do stuff. And I, I think that's, we talk about all that money in the economy, I think we're still seeing that where people are saying, you know what, I know things are more expensive, but I was cooped up for the last two years. I want to get out. I don't care. I have the money saved up. The savings rate was extremely high during COVID. I have that little kind of cushion. I'm going to go travel and kind of enjoy my life and get out from my house here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that's what we're going to see. And that's why I continue that 2023 recession. I think you're going to see that kind of push this year. And right. I don't really care about higher prices, but the next year it's like, oh, well, now my savings are starting to dwindle. Yeah. Yep. And I think I'm, I'm starting to hear also as well that the jobs – people are starting to apply for jobs again. Like, okay, I need, I need a job, I don't have any money, I, I wanna make more money and stuff. So I think we're gonna see that change. And again, we don't mean next uh, week, next, uh, but I think months going ahead, I think you're gonna see more differences in the job market. Uh, let, let's talk about CPI, the Consumer Price Index, because that's really something that's kind of bothering people. Uh, still sticking with my prediction that inflation will likely peak last month at 8.5%. Now, all that means to me is that it's likely the highest reading we will see. It does not mean that inflation will not remain a problem. Uh, the CPI was released and we saw inflation climb 8.3% compared to last April. Uh, areas that saw substantial increases included food, which is up 9.4%, energy, no surprise here, that was up 30.3%, and used car prices, well, they were up 22.7%, and shelters uh, increased of 5.1%, was the highest since April. 1991. Uh, the reason why I don't see uh, I, CPI climbing above 8.5% level is the drastic increases we have seen in areas like energy, used car prices are likely to continue at the same rates. Yeah, and they may climb higher, but it would be at a slower rate. It's important to remember we started seeing energy prices start their climb at the beginning of 2021, and we are now comparing its higher prices each month. So, you know, you're looking at oil prices compared to now let's say May in our next CPI, you're not looking at oil prices compared to May versus April. So you're seeing a higher price comparison, which is one thing to kind of understand when you're looking at the CPI report. The problem is I believe we will continue to see businesses continue to pass increased prices onto consumers. And it appears in many cases, consumers are still willing to pay those high prices. Again, we talked about the airlines, airline fares in the month of April compared to last year. Well, they were up 30 3%, a huge climb. And as I said, consumers still seem willing to travel. Expectation is for inflation to subside somewhat to an annualized rate of 5 to 6% by the end of the year. That, that's kind of what I'm looking at. And I, I think you may still see the 7 8% for the next few coming months. But I think as we get to the back end of this year, I, I think it's going to kind of reduce down to that 5 6% range. Yeah. And, and that's one thing, too, is that people are like, oh, it's going to be terrible and so forth. We just don't see it getting worse because one year, now going to start. I believe it's going to be probably coming up in a few months. We're now starting to build on another high number. 
So to go that much higher is going to take even more. So I don't see that happening. And, and also, too, people are starting to shift what they buy. So that's going to, they're not going to say, oh, I'm going to keep paying this. Well, instead of maybe buying beef, maybe I'll buy chicken this week and, and not do that. So that will in, decrease the demand a little bit, which kind of helped the supply situation. But uh, one thing, too, I was going to say, which, uh, uh, well, did you have something? I, I, just, <laughs> I, I just totally forgot what I was going to say. What's oh, going gosh. on this morning? I, I, well, <laughs> side note, but I know you went to Kaminsky's last night. I think you had too much beef ribs. I think that's like. what it, and they were so good. I guess <laughs> it was the best beef rib I've ever had. I mean, and it was the biggest beef rib. I mean, it was just one rib. Like, well, who gets one beef rib? And it's not much. It took up the whole plate. Like, wow, what am I, King Harry? <laughs> but what I was going to say here was a great example of kind of lapping those higher prices is you talk about the used car prices. And again, they were up 22%. And that is still a very high rate. Don't get me wrong. But remember, it was around like 38%, I want to say, a couple months ago, where you're seeing that huge climb in used car prices. Because what's happened now is, again, you're starting to lap higher prices from last year. So yep. it's it's starting to kind of subside on that year-over-year comparison. And I was going to say, too, the other reason I, I think you're going to see inflation kind of become more widespread, we, we talk about the oil, the energy. Right. Those are all things that companies pay. So you talk about your transportation companies. I mean, I was just listening to an insurance company's call. It's auto insurer. And they were saying, you know, we still have more price hikes to come. Yeah. And it takes time for that to pass on through because especially auto insurance, you know, you have like six months contracts. Well, they implemented their price hikes, but you might have somebody that has three months left on their auto insurance. So they're going to have to wait three months to hike yeah. rates. <clears throat> yeah. So I think you're going to see that kind of more widespread inflation through the end of the year. It's just not going to be like... 30% in one category that's going <laughs> to lift the whole report. And especially in housing, we talk about that 5% level. Remember, it's not the housing prices, it's the rent equivalent is kind of what the CPI looks at. And people spent so much money on housing, I think people are going to start to have to recoup their investment. And that has to come through rising rents. So I think you're going to see rents continue to be, or housing continue to be a large part of this report. And it's also a third of CPI, so big, big number there. And also, we talk about rents nationwide. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think here in San Diego, you're seeing a lot of supply come on the market. I mean, we see uh, in, in Scripps Ranch, I think there's two apartment complexes going up. I mean, when they start coming on, and this is what happens. And I said this was happened like years ago. What happens, you you build, you build, you build, and all of a sudden, the, the demand kind of slows down, but you're not finished. Now you bring it on. Then what happens like a year later, well, now we've got to reduce rents or we got to give, you know, incentives because there's too much supply on that. So that's just how things work that kind of ebb and flow. But, but what I was going to say, too, is that, uh, you know, I listened to a conference call yesterday of a company that we own, and uh, they said they're raising their prices uh, and they're seeing no uh, decline in consumer demand. They still have that. And that's, I want to point that out because it's very important for people as investors. You might want to make sure that the companies that you own can do that. They can inc increase prices and still have the demand, and also to show that they're confident on it. They, I think they said about a $1.2 billion stock buyback, so all positive things. So when you're reading those conference calls and those conference calls, these are things on your investments, on your companies, you want to understand that they have. What is it a... Um Obviously, I listen to the same conference calls, but was it a <laughs> consumer discretionary, consumer <clears throat> staple, or retailer? Uh, I guess discretionary they, they would fit into. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I think I know yeah. what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, just a retail company and even retailers right now. They, that's the thing that amazes me. I was uh, at UTC Mall last night, and I, I went to go get a suit for my wedding, and the place was packed. Yeah. I mean, I I had to wait. I had an appointment, and they're like, sorry, we're running a little bit behind. I was like, 
Friday night. I didn't know people went suit shopping on Friday <laughs> night. But, I, I mean, it, it just seems the economy is okay and, you know, it, it's not this major. And that's the thing I talk about, too, is, is recession does not mean 2008, 2009. Right. People always go to the worst case scenario. Oh, my gosh, we're going to have a recession. <laughs> and they put in their heads it's going to be like 2008, 2009. It's going to be like the Great Depression or something crazy. But you just got to remember, all a recession is is two consecutive quarters of declining GDP. That's all it is. You might not even notice you're in a recession. And don't forget, last uh, like two weeks ago when the CPI came out, we talked about how if you backed out the, the long, the, the, well, the big on the, uh, the exports because that was just happened because all the ships are waiting off the coast unloaded. Uh, also, two business inventory. So if you really look into those numbers, we could have a recession based on, based on the parameters of two consecutive uh, negative GDPs. But that's not really the case. So you got to understand numbers. Don't don't let the numbers just tell you this. Understand what those numbers mean. So, uh, by the way, I, I got the card for the phone numbers here. So we're going to open the lines about uh, two minutes here. 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. As always, get you through for that unbiased, no strings attached, fundament, fundamental opinion about what you want to talk about. Again, 833 288 0973. Well, Chase, this is very important. We, we've we've never been fans of uh, cryptocurrencies. We, we've, we've made that known. He says, oh, Brent and Chase like cryptocurrencies. And, and they're not, <laughs> they're not, <laughs> we've never said buy crypto. Uh, but something came out that was very interesting in this past week. It was Coinbase stock uh, has been absolutely hammered this year. as It's down nearly 80%. And the last week alone is down close to 50%. There was a recent disclosure and the company's recent 10Q that is filed with the SEC that would absolutely spook me and many investors. It shouldn't spook investors. Uh, the company said that in the event of bankruptcy, crypto assets held by the exchange could be considered property of the bankruptcy proceedings and customers would be treated as unsecured creditors. And the sad thing is unsecured creditors, well, they're one of the last groups to be paid out in the event yep. of bankruptcy. And the other thing, too, is I, I was thinking if Coinbase filed bankruptcy, it would probably be during a time when crypto was having a hard time like this. So you, yep. you probably would lose it because they would have no assets to pay and they'd probably have to use yep. that to pay things off. But the thing that I thought was interesting uh, was the CEO tried to calm investors' nerves by saying the company does not have risk of bankruptcy at this time. But my concern is, well, what if that changes next year? <laughs> right. I mean, great, you, you might be fine this year, but that still doesn't mean it's a risk I'm not worried about. And all of a sudden your assets aren't protected. And I was looking, unlike banks, which are protected by FDIC insurance and brokerage firms like Schwab, they're protected by SIPC insurance. Cryptos are still largely unregulated. And as I've said many times in the past, I'll continue to pass on this craziness in the cryptocurrency market. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that people don't know about, and yeah, they got excited about, oh, it went up and so forth. And we said there's nothing, benefit doesn't produce anything, it's only worth what the next guy will pay for it. Um, and, and now we find this out, and people said, oh, well, well, that's for the, what did the guy said, noobs or something? Or? Yeah, the crypto exchanges, you should just buy it direct. Directly. I think, I don't even know how to do a Bitcoin yeah. law. I mean, and I think a lot of people, it's too hard and complicated. Yeah. and. It's too complicated. You can lose your password. You lose that. I mean, we haven't talked in a while, but remember how much percentage was that people could not get into? Yeah. Uh, that's still out there. There's a lot of faults with this here. And and I, I didn't even think about this. I'm glad it kind of came out because obviously when we invest money, we hold our, our, our securities at uh, Charles Schwab and so forth. Um, and what they have is 
it's protected. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you not you, against market loss, very not market loss, yeah. but against the company Schwab. Oh, well, we're, we're going bankrupt. We're going to take your money. Well, that can't happen with investing in securities, but obviously now we're seeing it can happen with uh, cryptocurrencies to where it's and it's part of the balance sheet. And if, if you understand accounting, that means that's actually their asset, even though you think it's yours, uh, it's not the case. And I, the other thing this <clears throat> disclosure said is the, uh, the CEO said, well, it's, it's unlikely that they would take it. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Uh, you know, we, we talked to an attorney that's a friend all the time, and, and she's like, you don't ever want to have anything in a contract that all of a sudden is like, well, it's unlikely. unlikely. <laughs> I don't care if it's unlikely. It's still possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah. and, and again, you point out that, uh, and we'll see how this plays out, because it could be self-fulfilling that where now people get worried, so now they bring crypto down. Where now it hurts Coinbase, which now people start losing it. Well, now they start. Well, I could lose it, and I got to pull it out. And you start that 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 boulder going downhill. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it could be, I don't want to say this is a collapse of cryptocurrencies, but it could be a very very. I'll say it could be the beginning. Maybe. Yeah, and, and I, I just gotta say, I mean, honestly, I I watched Fox Business most mornings, and they had a crypto expert on. I, I did the little air quotations. I don't even know what a crypto expert is because <laughs> I haven't been along around that long to be what I consider an expert. And you gotta look at the fundamentals of crypto here. What what are the fundamentals? Well, it's becoming more widely adopted. Well, that's not a fundamental. No. Just because everybody buys stocks, does that mean oh well the fundamentals are really strong for stocks? <laughs> like what? <laughs> it's just crazy. There are no fundamentals on crypto. It is a, a exchanging asset. I can't even call it an asset. It's an exchanging piece of nothing yeah. that you're trading at and you're hoping that there's a guy out there that'll pay a higher price than you to keep the price going up. And actually, I think what you said this morning is down to what, 28,000. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems to be hitting these steps downward. Uh, I think if it falls much further, it could even fall further. And I, I just, yeah. So. Yeah. I, I want to say one other thing about it too. They, they were talking about El Salvador the other day. Oh, yeah. And how that has been terrible. I mean, the, the adoption there hasn't really been the way that people had anticipated is people are just too confused by it and they don't know how to kind of implement it and businesses yep. aren't accepting it and you know i haven't looked at the numbers closely but i'd believe it i mean i couldn't imagine if i was running a business and i'd be like what how do you accept this bitcoin thing right. <laughs> it's just i don't know and, and again we tell people all the time we could be wrong on bitcoin but i won't invest in something that i don't understand and i've tried to take time to understand bitcoin and i still haven't had anybody explain it to me in a way that makes any remote sense right and until i have that grasp of it i'll stay away and maybe it goes back up to fifty thousand. i don't know but the thing is if you don't understand why you're making money when you're investing that's a dangerous path to take and i'll I'll avoid it i know i can make good returns elsewhere i I don't need to get in this craziness of bitcoin where it could go back down to maybe five thousand and also no no way It, it could and, and, and I'll say, people say, oh, he's so definite. Um, there's going to be people out there that say, well, no one told me I was going to lose money on cryptocurrencies. I guess they just weren't listening. I guess. <laughs> so, all right, if you find that information helpful, uh, this is part of our newsletter that we do. It goes out every Friday. Uh, you can get those stories that we just talked about, plus other stories of the same caliber as well. Just go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can sign up for the website. Uh, I'm mean, sorry for the newsletter right at the website there. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, all right, uh, let's open the phone lines. Uh, phone lines here, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go out to San Diego and speak to Wayne. 
Wayne, you're on the Smart Vest Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning, gentlemen. I would like to t- your opinion because uh, I don't know how to value a company by the name of Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. It's a you know, energy transfer uh, type of business, and so that's why I'm calling you. All right. Well, we'll, we'll take a look at uh, Brookfield Infrastructure Partners. Uh, their symbol is BIP. BIP. Yep. Yep. All right. So let's take a look at that. Now, when you say, now, how'd you find out about this? Where did you see it? I was just reading, you know, I was reading online about energy and this thing came out, this particular company came out with uh, some other trans, energy transport companies okay. and it pays like a three and a half percent dividend. So it kind of got my interest. Okay. I, I do see there in the utilities diversified industry and uh, again, their symbol is BIP. Uh, nothing short on that, which is unusual. Uh, we do see institutional ownership is 58%. Uh, they do have a PE of 41 versus 17. That's very high. Uh, price of sales 1.5 versus 0.9. No price of tangible book value. So that kind of worries me because it means you take away all the intangible assets. So there's no value to the company. The industry does have a price of tangible book value of 8. And then we see price of cash flow 6.4, about the same as the industry at 6.2. Now, also what's lacking is there's no peg ratio going forward, which is your price earnings divided by growth. So that kind of doesn't make me feel good. What does make me feel good, or say it could be good, uh, earnings over last year, they're up 196%, that versus the industry down 7%. Uh, over the last year, the sales were up 30.9%. Uh, that is also better than industry growth at 10.7. Now, this is not good. The five-year earnings per share growth estimate from the analysts is a negative 2.5%. Industry is a positive 1.7, so that's not good. You don't want to see your earnings earnings going down going forward. Uh, you're right, they do pay a 3.6% dividend, but this is not good. They use 142.8% of their earnings to pay that dividend out. Now, something would have to change. Either they need to increase the earnings or they need to decrease the dividend. Uh, that could really hurt the stock, as always, if they decrease the dividend. Uh, we do see on the balance sheet, got a current ratio of 0.6 versus 1.2. That's worrisome. It does show me not a lot of liquidity. If they were to have a slowdown in business, they could be uh, by creditors forced into bankruptcy, especially looking at the debt to equity is very high, 4.7 versus 1.6. Uh, net profit margin, 5.7, about the same as the industry, that's okay. And the return on invested capital, 4.3 for 8.8. So I'm not seeing things make me happy here unless you can kind of change on what you're seeing going forward, Chase. It's an interesting company, and I say interesting because I'm, I'm not too familiar with an asset like this. It, it, it's what's known as a Bermuda Exempted Limited Partnership. Mm. And then they also acquire kind of different areas like utilities, transport, midstream, and data. So they, they have kind of four different areas. It doesn't sound like it's just like a pipeline company or anything like that. And the other thing that, that I find interesting is it generates maximum revenue from Brazil. Wow. And then it also has presence in Australia, Colombia, United Kingdom, Canada, U.S., a, the Chile, Peru, India, and some other countries. So it, it's it's a business I I don't know if I, even without looking at numbers, would feel comfortable investing. And I I don't know enough about Brazil to say, yeah, I, I'm happy that maybe you were, half the <laughs> revenue comes from Brazil. I'd be like, ooh, I, I don't know about that. Right. And I, I think Brazil is doing well, but I still, yeah. like you, I, I don't know if I would trust that. Yeah, so it, it's just something to kind of be cognizant of. Um, but with that, you know, I always want to look at the numbers. Let's current price here for uh was it brookfield infrastructure partners well it's 59 dollars and 58 cents 52 week high is 69 dollars and one cent and the low 52 dollars and 44 cents i see year to date it's held up pretty well compared to the market it's only down 1.1 percent 
Look at the one-year return, it's up 17%. And the 10-year return, I mean, it's done great over the last 10 years, up about 427%, so it's done very, very well. But if I go out to December 2023, I do see estimated earnings per share of $1.50. What gives the target sell price of just $24.90? And, you know, I, I never say anymore, sure how to analyze this here, Wayne. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm always going to look at earnings, and it looks like these earnings might be quite volatile, but it, it's just something that in this quick research, I, I just can't wrap my arms around, and I, I don't even know if I would do further research on it, to be quite frank with you. And also, Chase, too, I think you said it's a partnership as well, yeah. and I think there's a different taxing on these partnerships. Yeah. I think when they pay a dividend, it reduces the cost basis. Uh, I don't know, Wayne, if you're looking inside an IRA or not, but... Uh, yeah, it's in a retirement account. Yeah, so you're not worried about that side, but I, I'm just not seeing anything here that excites me about it. I don't like what Chase said about the Brazil. I don't like the, the right. debt level. I don't like the high payout for the dividend. Uh, I, I'm going to say, like, I, I'm going to recommend don't do any more research. Let's find something else. I guess I'll look at Kinder Morgan, and if I have more questions, I'll call you gentlemen back <laughs> next week. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Can I make a statement about Bitcoin? I kept hearing and I'm not an investor in it, that this was going to be a hedge against inflation. <laughs> <laughs> well, why is it going down so much if it's a hedge against inflation? The inflation really hasn't, you know, run. I mean, yeah, we're getting some high numbers, but it's going to take a while for it to come down. You know, like you say, at least six, nine months. Well, so shouldn't Bitcoin be making all-time highs already? I, I, I agree with you. But again, in the crypto world, people can seem to say anything they want just to try to get that price pumped up. And when I first came out saying that, like, well, what proof do they have? It's not been around long enough to ever test it. And you're right. It's just a silly statement that somebody came and up with. I think I've heard three different cases for Bitcoin now that have all been debunked this just this last year. Oh, it's digital gold. Oh, it's an inflation hedge. Oh, it's a kind of has an inverse correlation to stocks. Hope oh, <laughs> nope. It's pretty much trading in lockstep with the Nasdaq right now. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know, Wayne. I, I think people try and justify the investment because they, quite frankly, don't understand it. Yeah, they. they want I'll make a generalization. I think most investors are the younger age sector of investors in this country that are buying this, and I don't think some of them, or probably most of them, haven't gone through an inflationary period. In this country, for the because you know, we really haven't had inflation for the last 15, 20 years to worry about. Yeah, and so they never knew what and it was so like. So now they're looking at this asset that they can't put their hands on that's not tangible, and it starts going down, and they don't know the bottom like you and I don't know the bottom. Yeah, and, it's, and, and that's a true statement as well. And even if somebody's 40, uh, 20 years ago, they're only 20, they didn't care about what's going on with inflation. They more cared about you know right. a, a date that night or something like that. I mean, you had to be, in my opinion, like uh, probably above 50 to really understand what the effects of inflation was and how it worked. And, and I think you're right. Most people, I'll say that are above 50, are not really big on Bitcoin. Uh, it, I think it's under your- I still don't understand it, so I can't buy it. No, no, and I don't think anybody Mine really understands simple. it. I think they say they understand it, but I don't think they really do. There's nothing to understand because there's nothing there. <laughs> you know? I, can understand, I can understand a stock because we're buying a, a company, a business. You yeah. can put numbers together, but I'm, I'm going, then I, I just understand these guys mining Bitcoin because I heard there's a, like a, I don't know, 21 or 22 million or billion Bitcoins to be made. Then it stops. Well, yeah. there's like another hundred different variations of <laughs> cryptocurrency. What are they going to do? Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand it. Yep. That's well, all. We agree with you, Wayne. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks I'll for call calling. you next week. I'm Kinder Morgan if I have questions. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Have a good one. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That does open the phone line. 833-288-0973. And gosh, look over. We have all phone lines open. This is, usually doesn't happen this time of the morning. Uh, all, fine, all phone lines are open. 
0973. And if you've got questions, see, and this is when people should be calling in a lot yeah. because things have come down a lot. Uh, there could be some good buys out there or there could be some traps that you fall into yeah. thinking, oh, this is great. I mean, if you had bought um, a Netflix, went from 700 to 500, wow, what a great deal. You're sitting there scratching your head. Well, wait a minute, now I've lost over 50% yeah. from that side. So you gotta be careful. And this is what we're here for, kind of look at the numbers, try to talk reasonably about investing so you don't get caught in those those silly uh, situations there. So, but the one thing I do wanna bring up too, because we're kind of talking about cryptos, is just real quick on these NFTs and non-fungible tokens. Uh, I gotta ask, is the, the hype over for non-fungible tokens? In September, uh, they were, what, 220000 a week, and then it fell to, what was the number, Chase? It fell this past week, yeah, just 19000 a decline in 92%. So it's, yeah, is the hype over for now? I mean, that's one thing I understand even less than Bitcoin. It's just like a digital picture. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, people, oh, it's, it's great. And I, I, it could be, maybe. And people are like, oh, well, you just don't get it. It's because of the the technology of the, the Ethereum or something that that's backing this the NFTs. And, but again, the technology, who's making profits off the technology? There has to be somebody that makes profits for me to invest in it, to produce, you know, kind of what we were talking about with Wayne, with businesses, somebody's making right. profits, with real estate, somebody's making rents, with even bonds, you're getting interest. There, there's no potential cash flow from these assets. Right. Which, that's an issue. Right, and again, if we're missing something, tell us. And again, this could be, and we're looking down the road, 20, 30, maybe 40 years, things could maybe change technology-wise that way, but I just don't wanna be the one that buys it. I'd rather buy the company that's actually producing these maybe, because that company's making money. Well, and it's interesting, it's people that are, sometimes I know like athletes are producing them, and they're the ones making, I think, a lot of money off of it. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and they probably get paid for that, that endorsement as well, probably. Well, I, I don't. That's the thing I don't understand. I don't want to speak too much about it. Right. Is you know, I, I think it, you kind of own the rights to the NFT, and you kind of get paid off of it over the life of it. I, I don't understand it. I, I just when I look at them, I, I don't even think they're cool looking. Like, and what? So, oh, hold on, let me pull out my phone and show you my NFT. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand the value in that. And people can say the same thing about art. I'm also not an art investor though, because for the same reason, I. <laughs> How do you value a piece of art? But at least a piece of art is actually there. Well, I know some people were putting NFTs like on TVs in their house and stuff. And I, I you know, I it's, know. <laughs> I, I would never buy art. I would never buy right. NFTs. Um, maybe you can make the case they're similar. I don't see that, but it's, I, I wouldn't buy either one. Because again, I'm only gonna buy things that I can understand, I can analyze, right. and that I can look at how is the potential cash flow is gonna benefit me as an investor. Right. All right, uh, let's go back to the phones here. Gosh, uh, we're going to go to. We're going to go out to up to Long Beach and speak with David. David, you're in the Smart Investor over at Chase. How can we help you? I have a, a question on uh, J.P. Morgan, but but it's part of it's the banks, and it's the only bank of the big four that didn't uh, get government uh, dividend destruction during the financial crisis. So it's still paying a good dividend, most likely raising it. Um, it's it's falling now. It's it's off its 52-week uh, high. In fact, it's setting every time we have a new low. The last two or three weeks, it it manages to be a 52-week low. But all, it and all the banks are trading at PEs of uh, eight to nine point something, and uh, 
you know, I've heard you say that banking earnings are not looked at the same way as everything else, but it, it doesn't make sense to me that if this is, you know, the best bank and had no problems before and does well in rising interest rates, why are the multiples on the bank, why are they all coming down, but why are the multiples uh, even before it, it, it came down probably under 15? Yeah, yeah, and, and this is many times, and this is the opportunities <coughs> you can, <coughs> excuse me, take advantage of because it's mispricing it. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be okay tomorrow. It could be next month, maybe even next year before it gets better. But I think right now what's going on with the banks is a concern about, oh, there's going to be a major recession and banks are going to have defaults on their loans. And I don't think they'll look at the whole thing that on the other side, the commercial side is doing very well. So let's look at the numbers. At the, I, I did want to say, too, sure. real quick on the, the other issue I think people are having is potential slowdown in loan growth. Yes. And I, I'm going to kind of counteract that as well because we have so much money in the economy. As that liquidity starts to get sucked out of the market, I think more people are going to turn to various oh. types of loans. So I, I think loan growth is not going to be, again, I keep using this word, it's not going to be booming, but I right. think it's going to be stabilized. And again, that rising interest rate, if you have stabilized loan growth with rising interest rates on net, that, that's going to be a benefit for the banks. And also, too, I wanted to address your comment about the uh, – uh, earnings. The only reason we look at bank earnings differently is because when they have the loan loss reserves, yep. all else equal, bank earnings are still earnings. It's just they have some kind of, I don't want to call it falsified, but just some accounting things that happen with earnings only when those loan loss reserves occur. And right now, I don't. I think we're in a situation where we won't see something like that happen for the next couple of years. Yeah, and and and, and banks. Uh, I'm not gonna say all banks, but uh, you know, J.P. Morgan. I think your bigger banks. Look at them closely. I believe they'll be fine. I believe this is a, uh, a buying opportunity here for an investor looking down the road, 12, 18, 24 months. Let's look at the numbers on JP Morgan Chase for you here as well. Symbol is JPM. They are in the banks diversified. They are a huge bank. Uh, only 0.6% float on, on the uh, short side. Institutional ownership, but not as high as I thought it was going to be. It's uh, 72%. Uh, we do see a PE ratio of 8.8 versus 7 for the industry. Price to sales, 3 versus 2.1. Price of tangible book value, very good for J.P. Morgan Chase, 1.8, about half the industry at 3.6. And then price of cash flow, 4.5 versus 2.4. And has a pig ratio, very good, 1.5 versus 4 for the industry. So, so it shows you're not paying much for the future growth of J.P. Morgan. We do see over the last uh, year, earnings were up 7.1%, not as good as the industry, up 18.1%. Uh, sales over the past year for J.P. were down uh, 27 Industry down 0.7. Uh, on the dividend side, they pay a 3.4% dividend and only use 28.9% of their earnings to pay that dividend out. We do say they've also paid that dividend for over 10 years, which is very nice when you're investing in a company. Uh, debt equity 1.2, better than the industry at 1.7. Net profit margin is 35.2 versus 31.4. And return equity is 14.2. Versus 11.2. Chase, tell us going forward. Yeah, so current price here for JPM, JP Morgan, $119.09. 52-week high, $172.96. So it, it has had a substantial decline from the high there. 52-week low, though, $115.37. You see year-to-date down about 24%. Mm -hmm. 
But if I go forward to December 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $12.55. would give us a target sell price here of $208.33. So I, I still see tremendous value in these banks. They are a traditional value type play for the long term. You get great dividends. They are very shareholder friendly with buybacks. And I do believe it's next month or beginning of July is when you get the stress test results. Yeah. And at that point, you could see more money from the bank's coming back to shareholders via stock buybacks and dividends, that's when they can actually announce their plans. So you could see potentially an, an even higher dividend for JP Morgan going forward. And I think, gosh, right now you said it was what, above 3%? Yeah, yeah. And, and the thing that I'm looking at as well is that, you know, the, the, the market may be saying that, oh, you know, the recession could hurt them and so forth. But it's funny when you look at the uh, estimates from 90, day, not 90, day ago, 90 days ago from the analysts, it was 1242. Now you said, what, 1256. So that's increasing. And also, too, there's 22 analysts, a very tight number there as well. 1126 to the low, the high 1368. So it tells me they're pretty confident we don't have that big range there. So you may not see anything happen with JP Morgan Chase for, for months to come, but I think it's a good company to have in the portfolio. Uh, and now it is on sale. So it doesn't mean it won't go on sale more, but I, I will say that I think it's on sale now. And, and we still think the next couple of months are going to be very, very difficult. So I don't know. I mean, maybe J I don't think it could happen, but maybe JP Morgan goes down to 100. I'd be a huge buyer of JP Morgan, $100 yep. if it fell. I, I think it's a very strong company, and I'm not worried about the day to day volatility of it. I, I think it's a great long term investment here. Okay, David? Yeah, sounds good. I, I, I nibbled a little at a slightly under where it is now. Uh, and I'm, if the market turns down, I agree with you. It seems to go down with every day that we have a thing. In other words, the uh, less than two weeks ago, the 52-week low was about 123. Right. The last few down sessions knocked it down, and it's, it keeps bouncing off. As long as the market goes up, it bounces off that low. So it, uh, it you know, if the market drops another. 2000 on the Dow, I would assume it would go down towards 100. Yeah, I mean, that's a possibility, but I, I would not want to wait for that and miss this company. So thank you for calling, David. You have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, that does open the phone line, 833-288-0973. Let's go out to Michael and Chua Vista. Michael, you're on the Smart Vegetable, Brent Chase. How can we help you? Good morning. I'm calling about Auto Nation, ticker symbol AN. They own a bunch of car dealerships around the country. I don't own any of the stock. Looking to maybe buy. Wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, and I was kind of when I saw that come up because I know that uh, like Carvana and some of the other ones they they've fallen tremendously. Could be some buying opportunities here. So let's take a look at Auto Nation symbol is A N. They are in the auto and truck dealership industry. 13.2% uh, float on the short side. That's the kind of climbing up to where they're starting to kind of short this stock, it looks like. 73% is on the institutional ownership. Great PE ratio, 5.8 versus 14.2. Price to sales, 0.3 versus 0.5. Price to book value, 19.5 versus 28. That's positive. Price to cash flow, 4.9 versus 14.7. And the peg ratio, wow, 0.2 versus 3.6. So you're not paying much at all for the future growth of this company. Now their earnings uh, year over year are up 118% versus 89 for the industry. Sales did climb by 23.4, which is still a great growth rate, even though the industry was up 36.4. Uh, Five-year estimated growth rate is still high, 23.6 versus 11.9. They do not pay a dividend, which kind of surprised me. 
Look at the balance sheet. Uh, you got a current ratio of 1.2 versus 2.8. I'm okay with that uh, current ratio. Debt equity, though, could be a problem. 2.2 versus 1.5. You want to check the balance sheet because perhaps they could have too much debt on the balance sheet and they may not be able, be able to weather a downturn, which could cause some problems there. We also do see that they have a net profit margin of 5.6 versus uh, 3.8 for the industry. Return equity very high, 63.8 versus 24.3. So with the exception of the debt, I like everything here. What do you got going forward, Chase? Uh, two things on the balance sheet. I mean, one thing I was shocked by is their stock buyback yields 32.6%, which tells me they've been buying back a lot of stock, yeah. which could reduce the equity, which then would hurt the debt to equity, and also might be why the return on equity is so high. The other thing, too, is remember looking at uh, dealerships years ago, and I'm blanking on the exact term. I think it was like lot financing or something, uh, but when a car company or a dealership has that car on the lot they don't necessarily own it they kind of have to finance it essentially right. yeah. on that lot and I, I forget the exact details or the breakdown of it i'd have to kind of refresh my memory on it but that is something that could actually point towards a stronger balance sheet if you understand i believe it's called lot financing and how they actually carry the cars as uh, assets and liabilities when, when they hold them on their car lots well, I said, though, current price here for AutoNation, $123.68. The 52-week high, $133.48. And the low, $88.32. I see year-to-date stocks up 5.8%. Done very well compared to, the, again, the index down 15%. Five-year return, wow, up 214%. This, the stock's done really, really well over the last five and even the 10 years period up 250%. So kind of surprised by that. If I go out to December 2023, though, I see estimated earnings per share of $21.21 would give us a target sell price of $352.09. Now, why that looks appealing, I, I am a little bit concerned because that's down from 2022 when it was 2320. And in 2024, there's less analysts. There's just two in 2024. But mm-hmm. They're looking at $16.83. Huge decline from 2121. So I, I I am concerned maybe these are peak times for these car type sales yeah. and especially the dealerships in particular. Uh, the valuations look good on it, but I, I, I don't know if I, I'd feel comfortable at this point. There'd definitely be a lot more research I'd want to do. The numbers say maybe, right. but my inclination here on the used car market is a little concerning depending on what their breakdown is between new and used cars. And the other point I'll bring up as well is that there's nine analysts here uh, for 23 and the range, this is what I talked about on JP Morgan, it's very tight. This one's not very tight. Yeah. $16.82 is a low with 30 on the high. Not really sure what direction that's going. So I, I was surprised that this had not dropped as much as the other car companies, but I think because they deal with actual dealerships and so forth, a little bit different. But I, I'm just kind of worried about the market going forward uh, on this. So I, I don't like the debt situation and I don't like the high range of the analysts. So I, I don't mind the debt situation as long as you can understand it. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Because yeah, that, that that could be. But it's uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess we're not really strong on it here, uh, Michael. So I would uh, I would not say it's a buy. Alrighty. Okay. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. And you guys have a great day. You too. Thank you. You know that's so important when you kind of like, kind of. Eh, I'm not really sure. Just stop. Don't buy it. Yeah. <laughs> you know because when you find something, and as we look at things, we look at things saying we, we're looking for reasons not to buy it. Uh, we did a buy uh, just recently here. Like, you know, it's like there's no doubt in your mind. But this one here, and you start saying, well, what about this? Yeah, You don't make excuses why to buy it. Yeah. You, you want to actually feel real good. Well, it's so important. I mean, now I've been doing this close to 10 years, obviously not as long as you have at 
over 40 years. But uh, <laughs> that's kind of one of the big things I've learned is you don't need to force yourself to buy something because right. there's so many different opportunities. And when you're a long-term investor, you know, even if you sit on cash for six months, oh, my cash isn't working for me. Yeah, but then you can find periods like this where it's like a, a candy store. You can go in that you're excited because yeah. there's so many opportunities. So you don't feel that need to just invest because you have cash. There's a certain point, you know, people, oh, buy the dip. We can't always buy the dip because cash is an infinite. <laughs> yeah. So you want to make sure you, you, you're excited about a company. And also, too, you're not just excited about the company, but the numbers add up to it as well. You'll know when it, it I don't want to say you invest off feelings, right. but if the numbers and the feelings match, that that's a, a good opportunity in my books. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, it's the patience, I think, is what comes to investing and then you can build that nice portfolio. All right, uh, time to talk to our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Uh, Harrison, good morning. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, guys. I'm doing well. You're talking about the Series I savings bonds this morning. What, what's going on there? So I've talked a little bit about this on the show before, but it seems like every person I meet right now is asking about this. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we just had a rate hike. So the way I wanted to kind of touch on it. So these bonds, you get directly from the treasury. You don't get it from a bank. You don't get it from an insurance company. Um, if you go to treasurydirect.gov, that's where you can get them. Um, right now, the current rate is 9.62%, and that lasts until October. Um, <clears throat> this rate adjusts every six months. Before this 9.62% rate, it was 712 before that, it was 3.54, and before that, it was 1.68. But because we're starting to see a little bit more inflation, these yields have been increasing, which is why a lot of people are interested in them now. So <clears throat> per person, every person can buy up to $10,000 of electronic bonds per year, plus an additional $5,000 of paper bonds. So technically, every person can buy up to $15,000 per year or $30,000 per couple. Um, when you buy one of these things, you are locked in for a minimum of one year. So if you buy this, you cannot get any cash or anything back within one year. Um, you can have it, though, a maximum of up to 30 years. Now, if you redeem within five years, there is a penalty. So you can get access to it after one year, but if you don't want to have any penalties, you have to wait at least five years to access anything. And the penalty is, if you redeem within five years, is you forfeit your previous three months worth of interest. So for example, right now the rate is 9.62%. Let's assume it was that rate for um, 12 months in a row. That means your penalty loss would be about 2.4% of that 9.62%. So still not bad. Um, <clears throat> right now, the interest is taxable on the federal side, but it's tax-free on the state side. So California and other states do not tax it. Um, you can decide to pay the federal tax annually, or you can wait to pay the tax and have it taxable at redemption. Now, these types of bonds do not pay you income. The interest just accrues. So if you decide to pay annually, you're not getting interest from the bond in order to pay the tax. You have to pay the tax with, with other dollars. Um, also on the taxation side, if you use this for qualified education, then it's also tax-free on the federal side. But there's a little caveat, you have to be at least 24 years old or older when you buy these bonds for the interest to be deductible on the federal side. So parents can buy them and then use 
for their kids' education, but you cannot buy one of these bonds in the name of your kid's name and then have them use it for education. I don't know why that's the rule, but that's that's just the, the way it works. Um, <clears throat> so, again, a lot of people are asking about these. I don't think it's a good alternative to other types of investments like stock investments because, you know, it's a little illiquid and that interest rate is going to adjust every six months up and down. Right now it's higher, but it very easily could go lower. And then if you want to get out, you've got to pay penalties to get out. So I think it's a better alternative to any cash savings that people have. So, for example, I met with some people this week. They have $60,000 in cash in kind of an emergency fund. And we said, well, how about we take half of that, $30,000, buy these bonds, 15 for the husband and 15 for the wife, and then we'll also open up a home equity line of credit to kind of fill in that gap that now is locked into these bonds. And if they need to access funds, they can access a home equity line of credit. And in that case, the interest from that will be offset by the interest that the bonds are um, accruing. So that's, I think, a better way of looking at it as opposed to maybe um, an alternative to investing in stocks. I, I think, you know, as you guys are saying, there's volatility right now, but there's a lot of opportunities out there right now. And, and here's, I like how you kind of brought that up because it shows people what a true financial planner does is, is you said, well, here's money earning probably 0.2%. Here's a way to earn a lot more on it very safely, but yet we'll cover the the risk of, oh, emergency that, all right, well, we'll, we'll borrow against the home because in one year you can actually take it back from the savings bond if you want to. So it's just, just how to make the money work smarter for you, uh, which is which great tips. And that's why, again, you're, you're so popular on the financial planning side because you think of these things that other people just, uh, I hate to say this, a lot of the financial planners just trying to sell you mutual funds, you know, yeah. so, yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Harrison, thank you very much. That, that, that's a great tip as always. So you have a great uh, week and uh, week, weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday. Okay, have a good one. Bye-bye. Again, as Harrison Johnson, he's our CFP, our financial planner at Wilsey Asset Management. Uh, you can get a free consultation with him by simply calling the office at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or go to the website smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. Again, you heard tips that he comes up with people. Uh, it, it's just he's a true financial planner. He doesn't get commission. He doesn't get bonuses. He's on a salary to make sure that he does what's best for you, uh, the client. So give him a call and talk to him directly. All right, let's go back to the phones here. Gosh, uh, the hour's just going by quick here. Uh, let's go out to Bob in San Diego. Bob, you're on the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you? Hi, guys. Yeah, um, I've been watching Big Five here, and uh, I, I own a little bit of it, but... It's so low now, right now, and with a good uh, little percentage of uh, yield coming up here, uh, looks good. Uh, value play. So, what do you think? Yeah, and I've looked at GFV. Yeah, I've looked at the Big Five before, and, and the numbers always look pretty good on it. But it's such a small market cap; we, we've not been able to buy it. So, I'm kind of excited to look at it again here with you as well. And again, the company is Big Five Sporting Goods. Uh, symbol is BGFV. They are in the specialty retail industry. Uh, 41% is on the short float. That that's that means crazy. that's crazy. It means a lot of people think the stocks are going below where it is now. Uh, Chase look at the, the numbers on what those are, but I was shocked to see what the stock has done. Uh, institutional ownership 55.1. PE ratio 3.4 versus 21.6. That's a phenomenal PE yeah. ratio. Yeah. Price to sales 0.3 versus 0.9. Price to book value 1.1. Industry nothing there. 
Uh, price of cash flow 6.1 versus 12, so the valuation ratio is looking very good. Uh, looking at the growth on the earnings now, they were up 6.4%, which is okay. Uh, the industry is up 57.9, but I, I'm kind of curious why that's low. And even the sales for, for Big Five don't do as good. They're, they're up 3.2, again, okay. Industry up 70.1. Uh, five-year growth rate is a negative 6.5 versus a positive 10.7. Some of the same things with this company that is not going well. Uh, I do see the dividend, it's 7.4%, and they only use 22.5% to pay out this dividend. That's that's pretty amazing there. Yeah. Uh, the balance sheet, we got a current ratio 1.6 versus 2.2, that's okay. Debt to equity 1.1 versus one, That that that's okay. I'm looking for other things here. Um, you know, inventory looks okay. Uh, net profit margin, 8%. That's double the industry up 4.3. Return to equity, 33.5 versus 42.5. I, I don't know what's going on with this company. I don't know if you're going to see anything, Chase, but I mean, I'm seeing it looking Look okay. at the earnings per share. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, I, I it's crazy in two aspects. Uh, I'll start with here the current price, $13.60. 52-week high was $47.65. Huge, huge decline there to near a 52-week low of $12.73. You see year-to-date stocks down 27.4%. This is what I'm blown away by. Even with this massive decline, the stock over the last three years is up 656%. Oh, wow. So it really had me interested. I, I pulled up a chart of Big Five, and it is just crazy. It is oh, up wow. and down yeah. and up and down. Wow. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. I, I, I mean, it, it's insane. And I don't know if it's because it's such a small market cap at about $303 million that uh, you know it can get moved pretty easily, especially if there's this much kind of activity and shorting it. I mean, institutions are getting a lot more involved in a small market cap stock like this. It can create this, I think, massive volatility. Could produce big returns, though. I mean, because I, I, I just... I look forward to uh, December 2023, and, and here's a problem with the small market cap company. Don't get me wrong. There's just one analyst. Yep. But if this one analyst is right, his estimated earnings per share is $2.63. would give me a target sell price of $43.66. But again, it's right near that that 52-week high that it, that it hit uh, earlier this uh-huh. year. So it, it's a great value play. Um, I mean, I would yeah. want to know more about the stores. It, it's funny, when I was in college at uh, Northern Arizona, I remember right. going to Big Five all the time I like there. Big Five, yeah. And I, I, I just think, I know that Sports Authority had issues. You're competing against Dick Sporting Goods. How do you differentiate yourself? I know Dick Sporting Goods has done, I mean, when I look at their numbers historically, they've always done pretty well. And you know, what, I, what I'm what i kind of speculating here, you got to really read in more about the company. I, I see that uh, 90 days ago, the estimates were $4.50. What I'm thinking it may be is perhaps they had a big boost because they were one of the few good sporting goods stores you could buy ammunition and, and guns at. I'm thinking maybe right. that market has really turned and gone down. Everybody got a gun. I mean, some people have five guns now. Yeah. So maybe that market's come down a lot, which was a big earnings play for them. So that's what I kind of look at. But before you buy this company, because the numbers look great on it, but before you buy this yeah. company, you got to find out why did the stock dro- drop from 43 to, to, to uh, uh, what's that? 12. 12, 12 and, was a low. Well, yeah, the reason it went up so much is they were paying a dollar per share for the uh, shareholders uh, at a certain date last uh, while back. And, and, the bar- and the market was just zooming up because everybody wanted that dollar. 
Yeah, yeah I per don't, share. Per share. I, I don't think that would. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that would be the reason why. I, yeah. I think the company did something well, with their sales and their earnings, and, and it helped. Really, but it wouldn't be yeah, the sole reason. Yeah, it wouldn't be the sole reason. And what really worries me: forty-one point three percent short. Yeah, that's there's something going on with this company. So you, you got to do some really heavy reading to find out what's could going be on with potential it. accounting issues, maybe accounting issues, lawsuits. Like, something. There could be like a, yeah. an institutional firm that says, "Ooh, I think they are falsifying some documents." I mean, just to have that high short, there's something that. <laughs> that is on the table there that somebody's seeing. I mean, most of the time you see like 10% short. It's like, wow, that's pretty high. I, I don't know if I've ever seen 41%. Right. And, and Bob, if you can do the research and find out what it is and you say, that's not going to happen, they're, they're all wrong, you would probably get a good, good uh, pick here because if those shorts have to step in and buy, that stock will skyrocket back up to 25, 30 probably very easily. But you got to understand the story behind it. If you don't, I'm going to tell you stay away from it because it could be too much of a gamble. And it could be, I hate to say this, but out of business in a year. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Okay. I appreciate your help. Okay, Bob. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. All right. Good. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Um, gosh, we got, what, what time we got? Two minutes. Two yeah, minutes. Uh, 857. Yeah. 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 You know what? Uh, I, I did see Tim in Mission Valley. Tim, I would love to do Google. Uh, I, alphabet. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I still, I still see the G-O-O-G I know, I and know. I still say Google. Alphabet. Someday I'll say it right. Uh, but uh, we just don't have enough time to cover that. And I wanted to look at it because it's like the other tech companies that have really come down a lot. Um, I'm going to say in a blanket statement, I would not say, oh, jump in and buy these companies. Um, I'm kind of thinking that this is reminding me of the tech bust. You know, it, It's reminding me of the tech bust, but I do think there are, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago after Google reported, and I, I think there are going to be opportunities in the big tech. Now, all big tech should not be treated the same. Right. I think there's going to be opportunities, but uh, again, I talked about buy the dip and you, you hear that, oh, buy the yep. dip, buy the dip. I think people with these big tech companies, and again, not looking at the numbers with Google here, Alphabet, um, I think some people are going to be like, what? I thought I'd just buy the dip on Apple forever and I'm going to just <laughs> always win. And it, it's, I think some people are going to be surprised five, 10 years down the road with how their performance is on some of these big tech companies. But I, I make sure yeah. you call in next week too, Tim, because I, I do want to take a look at Alphabet. The, the numbers, I think, could be intriguing. Could be, could be intriguing, that's right. Uh, but the other thing too is that you can't just buy the dip. You have to sell eventually to raise <laughs> cash. So when the dip happens again, you, you can step in and buy. And I don't think people did that. They just thought, well, Apple's long-term, so we're picking on Apple a little bit, but I'm gonna buy the dip and just hold it. Well, again, you said before, you only have so much cash. And I'm thinking now people don't have that cash before. I don't see any big catalyst coming forward for these big high growth companies over the next uh, six to 12 months. Uh, I, I think we're gonna see changes in, in the, the buying the dip, these things that work, the meme stocks and stuff. Uh, I, I think a lot of investors are gonna be very disappointed uh, that it didn't happen like before because it was, it was just based on momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I think a lot of money in the economy and now we know they're, they're starting to choke that money supply that starts to happen. There's not enough money to flow into these popular assets. And all of a sudden, the, the, the quality, the fundamentals, the, the valuations, that's when those shine true because people start to panic because now all of a sudden it's not going up all the time. And those people that don't understand the investments and the, the analysis of it, they they get out. And actually, oftentimes what happens, the institutions get out first. Yeah. And then the other retail investors, they get panicked. And it, it just creates this cascade effect like we saw at Netflix. Yep, yep. And, and, it, and it can last for a while. And that's why we, we've, we've talked about it. Uh, you don't want to buy the high growth companies unless you know how to get out. But most of the time, I've been doing this for over 40 years. And it just, 
People don't get out in time. No. So, all right. Well, there's a closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for informational purposes only and should not be used as investment advice. If you would like to discuss in more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent Wilsey or Chase Wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858-546-4306. Or visit our website, smartinvesting2000.com. That's smartinvesting2000.com. A lot of great information there for you as well. And uh, also, too, for daily educational information on investment tips, go to our Facebook page, Smart Investing with Brent and Chase. We'll see. Have a great day. We'll talk more next week right here on the Smart Investing Show. To think that I did all that. And may I say, I 